Hello. Hello. Hi, this is Sam Electric Ghost. Hey, this is Tanner from the XO. Hi, so you're on you're on air, and um, yeah, I'll just do a little intro. This is Fam Electric Ghost. We interview indie bands from around the world, and we have the Dallas, Texas dark pop band XO. And we're just have you today, Tanner. Uh, we have me, and then I believe uh, our singer and our bass player. The other members are trying to join in right now, and that's them right now. I think they're in. Hello, hello, Mark. hey, hey. So you're on. With Tanner and Fam Electric Ghost. So we have everybody who's going to be on today, right? I believe so. Yeah. Andre and I are here uh, using the same phone. Okay, cool. Thank, Thank you. you. So um, I sent you a list of questions and you guys sent me your bio information. So we'll, we'll kind of start there. Doubt. So, so, like, when did you guys first get into music? Maybe like before the XO? Um, I'm kind of, kind of, you know, kind of gauge when you got into music, and then maybe talk about how you got together. Man, as Whoever long as I can first. remember, since I since I started breathing. Yeah, um, I actually got into music because of Andre here, and it's weird. I, I really over, I guess the last like what ten years, I've really uh, kind of grown to. Um, really uh just create a life within it and uh and so it's been a lot of fun but i would say like middle school we just were sit around with like acoustic guitars jamming writing our own music around that time is when it started so just a lot of small nothing projects and small bands in between then and i think tanner was on the same same uh boat on his end and that's kind of how we met somewhere through our our older projects so yeah we actually used to play shows at a at a venue that tanner would manage and and run events for and so it, it, it's fun that we met in that way. Yeah. So I guess to answer your question, like really 2010, 11? Nine. Nine, yeah. Nine, yeah. Somewhere around there, man. Yeah. Quite a minute. Oh, yeah. So, so if you started there, you had different bands and different projects before you became the XO. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. You got to go through through the mud before you're able to get something as great as this. So yeah, we went through, through trenches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of Lots of bloodshed. <laughs> Lots so, of love. So, <laughs> um, so you've been working on music since 2010, you would say that that's, yeah. that's the, and yeah. um, so when did you guys individually realize you wanted to actually write your own music? Because that, that don't go that direction. They become like studio musicians or session musicians or part of orchestras and different things. Um, when did you guys feel like, Oh, I want to, I want to write music and I want to write my own music. Uh, Jake, I would say it's, it's been, your dream for as long as I could remember, but I think more seriously, Jake, what's it been for, I guess, really the EXO uh, coming to that fruition about three or two years? Yeah. Um, I guess the thing that inspired me to start writing is just like, I found it therapeutic. Um, in the beginning, it was just really about making sounds that people thought were cool, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I, I did a lot of, I, I moved behind the computer and did a lot of production stuff kind of early on. But I think here recently, and, and the songs that people will hear with the EXO, it, it, it was really just about me kind of documenting trials that I was going through, emotions that I would have, and I would kind of just catch a vibe in an emotion and try to create that sonically um, as almost like an experience for someone to, to be able to go through um, while listening. And so what a waste we'll, we'll kind of have that. Uh, Darling, when you wake up in November, the two songs that we have out now are really just kind of cool songs uh, and the, the songs that we'll continue to release over here over the next few months will we'll really show um, 
I guess our evolution as a group, uh, along with me as a songwriter. But yeah, so I guess to answer that, really just some live trials that all of us go through that, you know, not just us as a band, but, you know, our, our audience uh, will obviously go through in their own lives. So yeah. that's the inspiration, man, is uh, we all go through this and might as well make it something that's tangible and relatable to, yeah. to be able to provide an outreach. Yeah. And, and it's almost therapeutic on our end uh, from a selfish perspective, like just almost like somebody would have a diary or a journal, you know, just being able to get these things out, you know? So uh, I, I think that's, that's a lot of the uh, fuel behind our, yeah. Fuel behind the writing. Yeah. A lot of the bands I've been interviewing people since 2018, I've interviewed about 45 bands and most of them are singer songwriters. And they all kind of tell that story that, you know, songwriting is kind of like writing a novel. You're writing like a, a sound painting that's like visual in its impact. It's almost cinematic. You know, and the great songwriters invoke like these pictures or movies, like many plays. And, and it usually represents like the pain in their life and they can relay it. So it's universal. Um, so that seems to be most of the singer songwriters I talk to kind of talk about how they can relay something personal in their life and relate it so their fans understand it because everybody kind of goes through this. Oh, yeah. I, I would hate to be, like, cheesy here, but, yeah, man, that's a secret sauce, man. You, you got to go through the ish to be able to put something out there like that. That's uh, obviously something a lot of people go through. Yeah, I think the difference is creatives are able to take that pain and, you know, turn it into a positive uh, piece of work you know painters do it with their pain they turn it into a painting uh-huh. the musicians are able to take a song and you know make it relatable yeah um so so i see your influences um you know it's interesting because i just was listening to the gorillas like latest release oh, yeah. i'm a fan of 21 pilots and it's uh you know the, my band you know the ghost is inspired by the gorillas it's like it's like a made-up idea you know it's the idea that josephine electric my lead singer is a made-up character that I create with a vocoder. Hell yeah! So, kind of like two D. Nah, but cool. um, but um, yeah. So I, it's interesting that you guys are going in that direction. Um, what made you gravitate to bands like Twenty One Pilots and uh, Gorillas? Man, uh, it, it, I wouldn't even say that's us, right? Yeah. yeah. So the thing is, is like, I, I do a lot of uh, I Jake do a lot of the. Uh, in initial inspiration it'll just start with me you know catching a vibe behind the computer and then i'll bring it to the guys to really fill out the sound but i as i grow as a producer and a songwriter i really try out a lot of different styles and a lot of different vibes so when you ask like what are influences it's like we all have music that we like that mm-hmm. we feel is a part of mm-hmm. our image and our ego and that represents mm-hmm. us individually but not but yeah. But for the band, it's just like it's all over the place. And and, and I know that yeah. it's easy to say we like these bands and we want to make this kind of noise. But really, as we are a collection of everything we've ever seen, heard, met and seen people do. Right. We take all of these things and we create an ego that we like, that we feel is us. And I think our music is kind of the same thing. And so to, to, to just name a band or two. You know, as our sound, yeah. I, I think is a very hard thing yeah. to do. Yeah, we're trying to be a lot more definitive on in, in our own exact sound that we're trying to portray, anyway. So yeah, right. and a lot of these songs, you'll hear some stories behind them. It's inspired by like one random song that ends up becoming yeah. completely different. So what a waste! We could yeah. probably get into that a little bit. Yeah, and I think you actually have a question about that coming up, and I think this may be even a good time. Uh, you've heard the song uh, by Bozzy that's like, "You so fucking 
precious when you smile, smile, <laughs> yeah, uh, that song actually inspired What a Waste is coming out Sunday. Um, Completely different vibe. Uh, yeah, I sat down behind the computer and I, I wanted to kind of bring that same, similar energy and uh, and I didn't. But, I mean, I brought a similar like vocal melody, but it, the vibe just ended up taking a life of its own. And so as far as inspir- inspirations, man, there are influences there. They're all over. And um, we filter yeah. it into our sound. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's fun. <laughs> well, I think it's like the I think the core in a lot of new music or what's going on in the scene right now, it's like a merging of multiple genres. And so it's kind of hard to pin, you know, people will say, well, I'm dark pop, but then they've got, you know, hip hop elements mm-hmm. or they've got punk rock elements or they've got punk aesthetic. We got rap, but they, yeah. they're not a punk band. Yeah. You might have a punk aesthetic and have that attitude and maybe you're coming at it more like Joy Division or the Talking Heads more than the Ramones, you know? So, so it's kind of like everybody has different flavors of how they do things, you know, yeah. like the Clash. They're a big punk band, but they went into, you know, Caribbean music and hip-hop and different rhythms. And so I think a lot of what today is, you see this kind of cross-pollination yeah. of multiple genres. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as we enter the age of the bedroom producer, I think, and we have uh, enter the age of the bedroom producer and have more control over our own sound, not just us, but as artists, um, I think we're going to see a lot of that. I think we're going to see a lot of people taking these weird, uh, different sounds and um, creating something that is their own. And I'm actually really excited for that. Yeah, that's a cool thing you mentioned, like bedroom producers, because like back in the old days, you get a big producer, you get like a Todd Rundgren or you get, you know, Mutt Lang, you get these guys and they would kind of kind of put you in a in a narrow zone, you know, that so you had to kind of, you know, if I'm going to make a hit, if I'm going to get on the radio... I got to follow this kind of pathway. If you're kind of more self-directed and you own your own vision, yeah. because you, you can be a bedroom producer, you, you can make decisions and you can make choices that are not kind of put upon yeah. you. Um, then, then you're able to really, you know, have that true aspect of being a singer songwriter is, you know, being in control of your craft. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to lie. It actually creates almost a source of, it, it, it's almost a source of anxiety on its own. It's like, um, as we grow as artists and as producers, we get toolboxes, metaphorically speaking, that are so freaking big and all these different things that we know how to do and can do. It's like, what the F do we do? Where do we start? <laughs> like, we can do anything. Yeah. Like, what the heck do we do? So, you know, I, it has its pros and its cons. And I think that um, I think that it's going to um, birth a lot of really beautiful sounds. And I, I, like I said earlier, I'm excited for that. Yeah, I kind of get into writing style. Like, I, what I found as an artist producer is I've kind of gone away from the DAW and gone into like hardware recording with my analog sets. And I've decided that if I kind of play it, like, let's say I'm, I, I force limitations. Like, I, I say, I'm not going to go on the grid. I'm going to go on my Moog. I'm going to hardware record it. And I'm going to let like these, the analog CV kind of experimentation kind of drive where I go, wow. like a jazz dope. fusion thing. And if you do that, then you kind of, you, you have a toolbox that you kind of, it's more organic yeah. and you, you have less choices and it kind of forces you to deal with limitations. Like if you have an eight step sequencer instead of like an unlimited sequencer, you have to make certain choices, you know, uh, that makes you, forces you to do it, something in, a, in maybe a more minimalistic way. And then that, that kind of can inform the music. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. 
So when when it comes to, to you guys, like what kind of workflow process do you use in terms of your DAW? You know, do you do traditional recording in a studio? Do you do stuff in your DAW? Like you said, you alluded to your bedroom producers. I'm assuming you're using a digital audio workstation or something. Yeah. So as far as creative process goes, a lot of times I'll uh, just be on my own. I, Jake, uh, will just kind of be on my own and, and come up with an idea and bring it to the boys, like I said earlier. Um, but I don't really have a rigid process. Uh, sometimes vocals will come to me and I'll, you know, jot them down in voice memos and then come back to those later or never. Um, <laughs> which I got a lot of that. And, so uh, <laughs> and, um, and then I got a lot of demos that are fleshed out, um, you know, somewhat that I kind of like create a vibe, get to a starting stopping point and, and just kind of document it. And I've got a SoundCloud that's building, um, of those and I, I don't really market it. So it doesn't go anywhere, which is fine by me. It's just a, a playlist mm -hmm. for me to have access to, but creative process, like um, a work area. always different. Yeah, work and area. I can't really give you an idea other um, than just home studio and booking yourself in a room for a little bit, a lot of hours. Yep. Yeah. A lot of time. So do you guys like when you write, there's like, there's a central, you know, core writer that you write like the lyrics and the demo and then you guys all work as a band yeah. to flesh it out? Or does like one guy have the full demo and then you kind of, you know, take that roadmap and adjust it? Or is it like different every time? I mean, I, I, I'll kind of hop on this one, right? So yeah, Jacob, obviously, and I, Andre over here, just kind of let Jake and you know, I would say me and Tanner both let Jacob handle like most of the initial creative process. Um, once he gets us, uh, you know, initial demos and uh, a bounce or two, uh, that's when we start jumping in. This is where we say, hey, let's go ahead and focus on this direction. And I mean, I'll let Tanner jump in here in a little bit. Like um, that, that's really where we're just like, hey, you know, me as a bassist or Tanner as a guitarist really think it might be, um, you know, beneficial to go ahead and start uh, taking this direction in a certain project. So um, and, you know, we, we try to talk each other up or talk each other down just depending on how that's going. So. I mean, Tanner had a really good addition on, on this last piece. I don't know if he wanted to talk about that or really how he chimes in on a lot of the projects, too. Yeah, um, I tend to try to just, like, write all my guitar parts organically. But, uh, you know, obviously we have to come together and make sure that, uh, you know, it comes to a consensus. I, I like the most, – most of Jake's demos that he actually sends me tend to, at least recently, like November and What A Waste, uh, didn't have guitar parts. So it was kind of like a blank canvas for me, which is real nice. Um, and that, that kind of just allowed me to come at it completely from my angle. And then Jake was able to insert his perspective and then we refined it and found something that we both, we well, honestly, we all enjoyed. So, you know, it's just, it's, exactly. just, it, it's organic process and it just changes every time, but. Yeah. yeah. For the base and what a waste. I don't think that came into fruition until we were in the actual like second phase and, and then actual recording studio when we were yeah. ready to put the buttons on it. So yeah. it, it, it's different every time. Yeah. I think it's interesting because when I, you know, I'm a solo act right now, but you know, back in the day, 10, 15 years ago, I was in bands and, you know, being a keyboard player, sometimes I write the whole demo with like an 808 or a 909 with a 303, you know, put bass lines in. But then if I brought like something on my 303 and gave it to a bass player, there, of course, they're going to play something better than a TB-03. Yeah, oh, yeah. But the TB-303 is kind of like the initial, like, feel of what I thought it should yeah. be. But I would always defer to my drummer that, you know, drummer's going to pick up an AOA and add things to it that I can't do, right? And and then the bass player is going to bring in character that a bass player kind of has a natural feel for. And the singer is going to come up with, you know, something different than what I did. 
so it's just interesting when you're in that kind of creative process of a band of a unit, you kind of yeah. defer to each other's, you know, best capabilities to kind of have the notion of what, what should actually sound right for that feel. Yeah. Have you heard of sleep party people? No, I have what's what's that? Uh, you gotta look it up, man. Electronic or something. Yeah, it's this guy Brian Batts, and he's like overseas in like Denmark or something. But uh, he's a bedroom producer that kind of was before the curve, and he does a lot of analog stuff and really weird voices um, mm-hmm. with like a microphone and and tons of effects and so distortion and and delay. Um, it's a vibe, and um, and I think you'd enjoy it. I, I think uh, you may even be able to pull some inspiration from it. Yeah, very different stuff. Not uh, I, Again, I don't know you know, what your sound is, but just hearing your creative process, uh, I, th- I think Sleep Party People might be a cool thing for you to check out. Yeah, I've been a big fan of Voicoders going back to the 70s, Likewise. like mo- uh, mode Voicoders. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've got like three different types of Roland Voicoders <laughs> that I've used not I for so. auto-tune, but I try to create like characters like the way Prince did with Camille. Yeah, is is I decided that I would actually use it, not to kind of make my voice sound pretty or better, but actually turn it into like an act, the way an actor turns it into a character. Yeah, that's really um, cool. I I, so I love vocoders. What a waste! Coming out this Sunday had a lot, and <laughs> and and they've been pushed back in the mix a bit, which I think it, you know in the end is for the better. We be, yeah. we worked with uh, yeah. Seth Monson, and we'll be working with Seth Monson on our mixes going further. I'm not sure if you're familiar. But um, yeah, he he, uh, he he put those back in the mix, and I think that that'll that'll actually make for a better song. But I love vocoders; they're a lot of fun. Yeah, I just like to play with them in terms of like changing the character of my pitch. Oh, like, you like them? Baritone. Check out Magic City yeah. Hippies. That's another quick influence mm. and plug that they absolutely wreck. Well, that. That. They're really cool, and yeah. all their vocal effects they do in recording <laughs> they also do live, which is just oh my so gosh, sick, so, so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's the cool thing about some of these real-time vocoders is unlike what you had to do in the past with like a sped-up analog tape, I can actually do my lead singer, Josephine Electric, live. I've actually done her with my full kind of phantom getup, which is kind of, uh, it's basically a getup that you can't tell the sexuality of the character, which makes Heck it yeah. more good. Is I, you have this androgynous ghost that's, you know, I'm a one-guy band, but I'm playing a female kind of ghost that phantom. That is and you can't really tell what I'm doing. I mean, it's kind of LED phantom outfit, and, and the whole idea is you can't really tell if I'm a guy. Dang, we're going to have to check that out. But I this, yeah, I got this female voice coming out, and I can do it in real time. Uh, and so that's that's what my whole kind of vibe, which is kind of like the way idea, like say, was inspired by the gorillas and Damon Alburn, and what he does with 2D and all the rest of the characters is to create a kind of fanciful band of like ghosts that you know it's fictional but then it becomes another, reality when another I do artist it. that i i feel like <laughs> needs to get mentioned that does this type of stuff too is metal metalocalypse the metal band oh yeah yeah, yeah they're I awesome they yeah no but it's, it's cool to see how far you know people have taken it you know it's just a simple idea yeah it's interesting so i was looking at your single so maybe you want to talk about your latest track is november right yeah i mean let's run it what you got so in terms of like how did you guys um you know who who was responsible for the for this song or as a band maybe kind of talk about the 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 actual you know the origin of the song and how how november's fun it's actually a song about me breaking up with a girlfriend right but i I wrote it while i was dating the girlfriend that i ended up 
breaking up with and and so recording that like in my bedroom the vocals for it in my bedroom with with her with her there was was uh, definitely not only that she's in the music video too <laughs> oh no i'm darling i'm darling i'm darling uh so uh november was fun man it actually started off really beat uh driven it was like a hip-hop beat weird thing um on my computer and uh and bringing that one to the band that's when we really found that, that there, there's a really cool medium when, when my demos meet, you know, us as a group of people. Um, but November was a lot of fun. Uh, I think it was a good starting point for us. And, and uh, moving forward, we're going to have a lot of really cool shit that I think really excites people. Again, those trials of life and errors that, you know, I think not only Jake was going through at that time, but, you know, even me personally, too. And even with What a Waste, it's the same kind of coin. But uh, that's exactly where we're trying to connect with the audience. It's... Uh, everyone's dealing with this ish let's put it in that positive vibe as you mentioned earlier not necessarily positive but something that you can cope with and vibe with and yeah just makes it really fun yeah so are these songs part of a bigger project an ep or an album or you just you know cbd bro uh yeah uh we we liked the original uh the idea originally of of these file uh releasing these once a month and then filing into an album but um, I think we'll just release singles for now. Um, it could be I've, an, album an album, yeah, has almost like this consistency to it that I don't think these singles have. So, um, I, you know, right now, I think we just have fun with it. And we just develop ourselves more into uh, a really, really solid, uh, really, really solid music group. And then I think at that point, we'll uh, we'll figure out what to do with the album or EP if we yeah, even want yeah. to. No limitations, really yeah. trying to expand and, and of course, um, just get some really connectable content out there. So. Yeah. And then rule the world. So. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> world domination. Yeah, we are in a time period. <laughs> well, we are in time period of the, of the Spotify and, you know, Apple Music playlist and, you know, the different, it's kind of a playlist era. It kind of reminds me of the way the 50s were, where you basically had singles and you really didn't have the idea of albums other than you would take all your hit singles and put them yeah. into a collection, you know, which kind of not with a reverse of what, you know, happened in the 60s with, you know, the Beatles and the, the creation of like the themed album, which it's kind of like I'm showing my age. I, I'm a child in the 70s. And so I grew up with vinyl. Oh, yeah. And in that, in that situation, you, you used to listen to the whole project, right? Because you pick up Pink Floyd, you pick up, you pick up, you ain't Sergeant skipping Peppers, tracks. You, you'd always, yeah, you, ne- you didn't really skip tracks, you would just listen to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think, I think it'll kind of uh, harken back to what you're kind of even doing with your project. It just kind of becomes a whole collective experience to where, you know, yeah, you can enjoy like one bit or section or song by itself, but. You know, some some of these artists that are coming out are wanting to, you know, do what you're doing. You know, try to make it way more of a collective experience. Yeah, it's just kind of going both ways. You know, I think in popular music you have the trend of the playlist, and then kind of in the underground and then all these other alternate media, you still have bands that are trying to do concept albums or do themed albums or themed projects. And so yeah, if you're a band like me, I'm, most of my songs are over seven minutes long. So I'm kind of going toward Yes and Genesis oh, wow. and, you know, Tangerine Dream. That's that's my, those are the people I listen to, like Sun Ra, Miles Davis, Coltrane. So I'm in the tradition of I, jam band, improvisational stuff, stuff that's longer, two, three minutes. But, you know, there's a whole market for different, you know, strokes for different folks. You know, people, some people in this industry still like that or the fan base are into that. And so... You kind of find your yeah. audience based on yeah. 
who's yeah, into you for sure. So, where your audience? How how like how much of uh, is it really localized to 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 Dallas, or have you been able to get beyond your? Yeah, area? actually, uh, the first song we ever released, we actually had uh, international uh, recognition and uh, merch sales um, that we would ship overseas to like uh, I think it was the UK. So our first our first song we 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 did really well at marketing it, and and it really showed off. So. Uh, you know, going into this next round of things, um, right now we're really just filling our Spotify page so that when we start uh, mark, uh, another round of marketing, we've got a really solid store um, so that when we have new people come into our, our shop, our shop, essentially, metaphorically speaking, we've got something to sell um, mm-hmm. and, and customers and fans uh, that will stick around. Yeah. So uh, as far as who they are and where they are, we don't know. Um, that's kind of data that we'll mm-hmm. get over the next few months when we start um start um you know sending out new information we just have people from our 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 last group that are kind of and and friends and family it's really really small right now it's going to be a really fun journey to see what happens over the next few months yeah we learned a lot again what jake was mentioning on that first song so again what we learned from that now we're really building that shop and we're not really focusing on that limited approach there we got our uh our eyes focused on uh, world domination so uh Organization. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think, it, yeah, I think what's really interesting with a lot of bands today, like you used to, you used to be back in, in the day where I came from. You you played a pizza shop, you played a bar, right? And you had to build like a local following before you could get to the next town. And now with the net, suddenly you could have you know impact in Berlin or impact in in Sweden or Norway, and suddenly oh, you yeah. got a fan base that's not not, not where you would expect, oh. and it just. It's this interesting way. I mean, I'll tell you this. I mean, like, that's where a lot of bands are falling into traps right now because that's the process that they know and they're aware of. So, like, yeah, let's start off playing some local shows. We're not wanting to fall into that trap. I mean, not that we're above that, but uh, we just have our eyes. We we realize we got something really good on our hands and we have our eyes on something bigger. And I mean, just again, with the people that we connect with, I mean, for November, the the album art, we connected with someone over in Germany. And so that's just how a little bit of these things start. You know, you make those connections wherever you can yeah it's, it's really interesting on the internet today the way you can connect you know, to so many different people i did actually have the same kind of experience for an album i did in 2017 i had a, an artist in greece they actually did a cover of an album i did with a with a with a actress from los angeles and we never even met wow. we, we worked on the project and we did everything over the net back in 2017 wow. So, so we did a whole album where she was in her FL studio, I'm in my studio, bedroom wow. studio. We did the whole album. Then we had the album art done by this guy in Greece wow. that we met. Through wow. that. And so it's like the, 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 this type of thing is kind of happening more during COVID because people can't fly to Berlin or they can't fly to Greece or they can't yeah. meet each other. But, um, you know, you, this type of thing was going on even two, two three, four yeah. years ago. Wow. Um, it's wow. just interesting that you guys are kind of in the – you really so you're you're using the social media era to kind of be more of a band that doesn't have to do that kind of local build. Yeah, build, wow, right? and, and I'm actually really surprised that you caught on to that because that's wow. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. We we found that um that it, it, when we play a show, we can maybe get like you know twenty uh, a local show. We can maybe get like twenty twenty five fans. When we run ads, we can get like two hundred. You know what I'm saying? Without like in the background right that shit's just like going and not like so, we're fishing wow. we're trying to connect so i mean we're just trying to you know work smarter yeah. not harder yeah well 
Yeah, it's just interesting. Like if, if you, I've been doing like Facebook Live and Twitch and you know wow. Periscope since 2016. Um, and you know, I used to go to like, New York and maybe I get a small club to get three, four hundred people. But but when I do a Facebook Live, I get like four thousand wow. people. Or I go Twitch, you know, I get two, three, you know, thousand people come into a Twitch or or or, or Facebook Live, and. And it's kind of like how I built my brand, how I got into podcasting. Nice. You know, I was on SoundCloud. People found me there. I got picked up by Anchor, which is part of Spotify. And I started interviewing bands back in 2018. Um, and I actually started acting in 2017 on a different platform, but then moved to this one. Um, but you never know where you, you know, music, you know, I wasn't intending on being a podcaster. It just became something that kind of helps my music and you know, how to be talk to other musicians, which I think as a musician, it's a really good idea to talk to other creators. Yeah. Well, for sure. I mean, that's all this networking is like critical to, to our career path. So, I mean, the more, the, the more people that are like-minded and they're willing to just help each other out and even just share like, like-minded music is just, uh, I think beneficial for both parties. So you guys focus more on, on actually cra- crafting songs at this point than the doing, Maybe like online live performances. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Our, our most important thing is making songs that people want to play next week on their own without us having to shove it down their throats. We want to make some good shit that uh, people remember and want to show people on their own, you know, without having a sense that they need to share it, right? Uh, we just want to make good songs that mm-hmm. people want to listen to. Couldn't have said it better. Right now, we're not trying to get the cart in front of the horse, so. So do you guys have a goal of how many songs you're going to put out? You just let the songs come yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah, we've got, we've got a lot in the, uh, in the bank, in the spank bank. And I think over the next eight or so months, uh, we're going to just release a single on the first of every month. That's, what, that's our plan right now. Oh, so you got, you got a monthly single kind of idea going all the way into 2020. Yep. Exactly, yep. Let's see how long we can keep that going, honestly. Right on the nail. Well, I think that's a good strategy if you think about what Motown used to do. I mean, they used to run their artists. Sometimes they were running like every two weeks back in the heyday of Motown. Um, and you know, it was it was like what I said. It's like the singles era where, you know, a band, if it didn't work, then they just did another one. You know, go talk to Smokey, go talk to Marvin, and then they write another song. It's like, okay, it didn't hit, work for the Marvelettes, we'll give it to you know, the Temptations or give it to the Four Tops. They just kept on making a machine and they just kept on putting them out to see what, you know, throw it against the wall and see what's going to work. So is that your kind of strategy? Is like, oh, let's, 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 because some people say, oh, I should only put one song out every six months or every year and let it build and put all my effort into that. And other people say, well, let me keep on putting things out. Man, it's phases, works. bro. Um, you know, right now, that that's our phase. You know, later in time, if things end up being successful, you know, we might spend a year out on vacation and having a good time and traveling and whatnot and, and then taking influences from that and then maybe spending a good amount of time to make songs. But right now, we're in the early stages. We're in that phase. So it's, uh, like Jake said, building that shop right now. We're trying to get a lot of content so people can come in and shop and uh, want to do it on their own without us uh, – Shoving it down their throat. Yeah, and and to clarify on the shop thing, because I know we've mentioned that twice now without really uh, explaining that, um, a Spotify profile for us right now is like a store in a mall. And so for us, it's mm-hmm. what brings people in, what keeps them there, makes them look around, and what makes a sale, right? Friends. Yeah. 
So um, right now we're just in the business of building a store that does business. And, um, and in that, we just got to make some products that people want to buy. After that, there'll be seasonal changes. So uh, I think that's what you're alluding to a little bit later. Maybe we can hit one of those, but right now it's content. When you guys mentioned show, I know a lot of bands, like they, they really survive on their merch. You know that like the, the T-shirts and the posters Bond. and the buttons that they create in their own stores. So when you mentioned that initially, I was kind of waiting for you to elaborate whether or not you actually had like a web store where you, you know, a lot of bands I know in New York they they make more money selling their T-shirts and that keeps them going than than they actually on the records. <laughs> yeah, um, for Darling when you wake up, uh, that the the our first release, like I said, we had a really good marketing campaign behind that. And we actually designed our own merch, and uh, it sold uh, decently, and uh, we're really excited for merch. I think that's going to be a large source of income for us until we're able to and ready to play shows again. Yeah, I don't know that we'll survive off of it. I mean, regardless, we'll, 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 we'll do whatever it takes because uh, we got something good on our hands. But, yeah, that's just a piece of it for us, not our not our soul. <laughs> Piece yeah, it's like it's the whole thing with music today. It's like, you know, between the sync like licensing and the merch and the merch. And then, you know, the one leg that's kind of been taken out because of COVID is, you know, the touring leg, which most modern bands, because of the way the music industry is right now, that's their that's where they got their money from. You know, like at least in places like New York and Boston, oh, yeah. you know, playing on the club circuit is how you can survive if you get a good following. And, and you can get pretty good followings and go places like Fenway has all these big electronic clubs where you can play and get big, you know, every weekend you could be playing. Um, and, and then you can sell the merch and with it, without those legs now, people are having trouble. So as an artist, one of the questions I asked about is like, how are you handling the Corona situation where a lot of artists have, you know, lost a lot of their, tape, you know, a lot of that leg of their support. Man, we're yeah. making lemonade. Yep. You know, take something bad and make it productive. Yeah. Cause you already had a strategy where you really weren't focusing on the show yep. as much as some bands. Yeah. Shows, shows really aren't that important until you're touring and have tickets that um, actually make you money. We, we played a lot of shows for a very small amount of money and it's just, there's no ROI there. It's not, not a, not a good use of our time. So that's not really a focus of ours right now. So what are like, one of the questions I always ask people about what are their opinions of the like, current state of the music industry, you know, and streaming uh, versus like the old days when you, you actually did sell CDs or records or tapes. Um, what, what's your opinion about the way streaming services work and, and how you yeah. can use them? Like you mentioned, how you think Spotify is two sides, uh, uh, two sides of this coin, right? Like the barrier to entry for someone to become a fan is so small now, right? They all they have to do is like click on your face and they can listen to your stuff immediately. Whereas before, it's like you just had to find somebody that had a CD. And then now, because somebody else made a purchase, now you can find out about somebody or, you know, happen to hear somebody on the radio that got hooked up. So I, the barrier to entry for someone to become fans is very small. And that's amazing, especially for people that are really talented. However, streaming services pay very little. So we're making a lot less off of the music itself. And so it almost becomes uh, the music almost goes away from being an asset that makes you money and becomes a marketing thing. Uh, uh, so that you can make money off of tickets in March, and and it's really weird how that's happened. So I I, I think it's really cool, um, uh, and really shitty, you know, at the same time. Yeah, overall, it's a it's a love hate relationship. Yeah, double edged sword. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that before, you know, when I was growing up, the barrier was, you know, you could maybe you could get to an indie label and and maybe they give you a contract, you know, and they would say, like, if you don't make it after two records, you're done. You know, where today, you know, you have bands that are like, you know, they're out there for years and years where after if you if you did get the contract, if you didn't hit their, their bare minimum, you were dropped. And then you really had no other alternative. To yeah, man, if, if that, um, I mean, like, there's well, also people that aren't even on labels that are still able to make it just fine. So Dave Matthews um, Ben. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on the nail. Yeah. I mean, I think the whole idea is that you've got that kind of like Grateful Dead kind of following, you know, like Parliament Funkadelic and Frank Zappa had followings that maybe they weren't like at the top of the charts, but they were able to survive because they had fans that were just really totally into them. They yeah. would just follow them and do go to every single show because they're yeah. diehard. Yeah, and you know? and do a lot of psychedelics. And that, <laughs> that did, yeah. that did well, Grateful that, Dead that really, a whole lot. That, that did them real well. Made it a lot easier. A good life show, doesn't matter how you sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe with Zappa and Funkadelic, it was more... more yeah, so more perhaps we should just hand out tabs of acid at our shows in the future. I think that would be... <laughs> are you a fan no well, that was the old school. I, that that was the old way but you know maybe you know music does circles right cycles so well edm kind of started there we go that way absolutely too. and it's still going They're, they still have a very strong fan yeah. base there so yeah the rave people that they you That's know they're strong crowd, but yeah <laughs> so um so in terms of uh i guess Taking your art and moving it forward, have you thought of like collabing with other musicians? One of the questions we always ask is like, you give kind of genreless yeah. anyway. Would you would you actually you know do features with other people, work on other guys' projects, or you're totally focused on on this particular you know XO band project, or would you kind of work? Like in an industry today, you know, hip hop is real famous yeah. for features. And yeah, features. All, yeah, I like that question. Um, I think doing doing um, or or uh, getting people featured on our tracks would be a lot of fun. I think we have a name to establish for ourselves first. That way, we're not the 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 group that was brought up by somebody else. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, there there are plenty of singers I'd love to have on our stuff, and they could even bring you know something to the song. Other than just a vocal on a verse, so yeah, no, I think that that's that would be a lot of fun um, for the future. Maybe a couple of months down the road, open-minded, to maybe it. four or five months. Yeah, about halfway through next year at the soonest, or early spring. But would you think about working on other people's um, projects, but maybe not even getting like a, a like a highly known, um, you know, uh, shout out, but like having the ability. I know back in the day, it used to be sometimes the musicians would actually go kind of ghost on other people's records just to kind of get the work or just the experience of doing those collabs, but not wanting to kind of influence everybody and in saying that they actually did it. Have you guys ever thought about that kind um, of approach? I like to do production for other artists, and I'm going to be doing a lot more of that in the coming year. Uh, Tanner works with other artists as well. So we work with other artists and help develop other artists that we like. Um, but uh, really it's, it, it, it's paid work. Um, we don't really do it for, well, we do it for the love of it, but we also do it because we got to get by. So yeah, no, um, it, it's just going to develop. 
over the next year, we're going to really see how, how what, what life this takes. Yeah, so that's kind of like part of your day gig is to be able to do that kind of stuff so you can be a working sure. musician. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's everything. That's part of what I what you guys were kind of talking about with the whole, you know, streaming thing. Sometimes you look out there, you know, as a musician, uh, you know, back in the 70s with a different experience. But you, know, you see, not to put them down, but like YouTubers – able to make more income than you know most musicians playing video games or people willing to spend sixty dollars on an xbox game but they ask them if they want to spend ten dollars on a band yeah like no i can't oh man selling tickets was not (laughs) fun it's like how much am i worth to you (laughs) nothing at all fuck off (laughs) yeah somebody somebody will send dashy like a twenty dollar tip for paying mario but they can't play pay a band like five dollars so it's just a different world where music doesn't seem to have the some of the young people aren't as enthused yeah. about you know funding it at the level that other other types yeah, of entertainment yeah. are being funded. And then yeah. how can the music industry change to make people realize that you know this type of art is worth yeah support oh, oh, uh, adapt and overcome you know um, we we have to create something we have to build value in something to bring the people out there. We just gotta want it. Big nuts bigger better mm-hmm. so you're feeling like if you put the creative yeah like heart into it that the people yeah. will come because of the heart and the energy you're yeah. putting into the project yeah. i mean like little people that you don't, uh, yeah, that, perform, that's it, would that's perform your, with a bed on stage and and kind of create this aesthetic like it was a boy in a bedroom and that's just one example but you know people people want to pay for an experience and right now they can stare at their phone for two and a half hours and be entertained maybe not thoroughly and maybe there's no fulfilling uh, or feeling of fulfillment, but, but media and entertainment is so cheap now that you have to do a lot to stand out. And right now, like I said earlier, it live isn't even live performance. Isn't even on our plate. It's not even on our minds. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 what I kind of did with what I'm doing is that the stagecraft of, of, of creating like this kind of image, because I was kind of influenced by what, you know, Andy Warhol and what Bowie did um, with, with his kind of characterization and stagecraft, where, like, you know, every time he came out the door, he was like, you know, Aladdin Sane or he's like Ziggy Stardust. And it was about the theater of it. You know, you see that with like Freddie Mercury or Prince. Sometimes in order to, to stand out, if you're doing a live show, it's, it's creating that experience where it's a performance. And it's that stagecraft that also yeah. brings people to it. If you're going to go in that direction, that that that's part of the whole, not the stick, but that's part of the whole experience. Is if you make people feel you're not just showing up in a pair of blue jeans, you actually have like the Ziggy Stardust character, you know, that you actually have become this other person, and people are drawn to it because of that image. You know, and I think people who do that kind of experience, you know, you still see. You folks getting brought into the yeah, kind of really creating an experience not right like there Vegas, with you. It's a neighborhood Bring really working on that with their new album. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that Chip Chrome and the Monochrome Monotones. Yeah, that, that's been a lot of fun to see. It, it looks like Tanner, his phone disconnected, and Andre and I are are, are about uh, looking at have to yeah. having to head out. So uh, we wanted to get to some final questions if possible. Okay. Yeah, I think the final questions I have is just like wh- how you're deciding to um, 
you move your bit your art into a bigger way online you've kind of already addressed that where you're focusing on these singles yeah we want to create a really strong foundation and a really good shop that we feel comfortable sending people to having just darling when you wake up in november both songs being from like 2017 it didn't really represent us artistically and so right now uh what a waste will be a good song to put in there and i think we'll start running ads with what a waste but i think um I think the song that comes after that will also be, and the song that comes out January 1st will both be very strong songs that will uh, allow us to um, break out in some way. 100%. And that, that'll be a lot of fun. That'll, uh, and, and there's no figures, you know, on our, on our tables of what that means in far, in terms of development, but um, we're really excited to see how that grows. Yeah. We got a lot to, 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 to look forward to a lot that's coming yeah. out. So a lot for our fans and a lot for our future audience that, uh, you know, keep an eye out. Yeah. It was great to talk to you guys. We're going to push this out onto 11 podcast platforms. We are part of Spotify, as we said. So we're part of Spotify podcast and Apple podcast and uh, nine other ones. Uh, We will send you the links to the Apple podcast version of this and the Spotify podcast, as well as the Anchor FM within the next hour. And we will push it on our channels. And um, hopefully, you know, this will help spread the word about the XO. Yeah, beautiful, and, uh, man. Thank you. And, uh, you for having us. Yeah, we both want to just say, you know, thank you for taking the time out of your day to bring us into your uh, platform and giving this opportunity. That's That's been uh, very great. Yeah, overall, man, uh, kudos to you, man. It was a fun experience. So appreciate you putting in the work. Yep. Well, it's, it's great for me to talk <laughs> to other musicians during this lockdown. So I, I appreciate it as well. Thank you. Amen. Yeah, thank Happy you. Halloween. Have a great night. Talk to you soon. Bye now.